0: Elliot Goldstein is hosting a radio and podcast show out of New Mexico called NMDJ Presents Fly on the Wall. We are building a fresh, fabulous podcast library of musicians, writers, artists, and all good people of note, with many new and exciting guests to come. We are listener-funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is NewMexicoDJService at gmail.com. We appreciate your help. We would like to thank Alan Gowa for the intro music. Enjoyed the show.
1: Hey guys, thank you for listening to Fly in the Wall podcast. I'd like to tell you how I got started. Um, I really had no idea on um, the beginnings of what how to even where to start. And I stumbled upon Anchor by Spotify. And it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. And I'll explain Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And um, when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast automatically on listening platforms. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple Podcasts. I'm on other uh, platforms. And Anchor made it so simple. And um, it's all in one place. Everything you need to make a podcast, you can find in one place. And um, the amazing part is it's all free. So um, there is no uh, downside to any of this. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. And again, it's the Anchor app or Anchor.fm. And it's real easy to get started. And um, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall and uh, back to the show.
2: Only Wendy serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot, buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? <laughs> So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's.
3: At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. All right, we're at home with Claire, who is warming up for a bit of boxer size. Yep, she's welcomed in the new year with a fancy new workout setup. Look at that branded punch bag with matching gloves. And that gorgeous coordinated leisure. So coordinated. She is working out and working it. Well, with prices this good on designer workout gear, how couldn't she? Whoa! Whoa! She's back on the sofa. With her feet in an excellently priced foot spa. Iconic. Get those toes to Marshalls. Fabulous brands. Feel
4: good prices at at Marshalls.
1: Good morning everybody on the TTT Radio Network. This is Elliot and uh, it's not your mother's radio. I'm starting the show a little differently today because we have a very special guest. Dr. Patrick Gleason will be on with us. And um, just to get things started, I'm gonna play um, Patrick's Tatooine Desert from the Star Wars um, disc that he did many years ago. And we'll do an intro and I'm gonna get Patrick on the phone while this is playing. And I hope you enjoy the show today. You're gonna learn a lot.
0: Today's guest, Patrick Gleason, is an acclaimed synthesizer pioneer who's recorded with Herbie Hancock, Sammy Hagar, Lenny White, Jefferson Starship, Terry Riley, and countless other pop, soul, jazz, and contemporary classical artists.
1: start today. Uh, Patrick is an American musician uh, and uh, synthesizer, pioneer, composer, and producer. Um, Patrick is one of the first people uh, to have taken the synthesizer out on the road as a touring instrument when he was um, uh, working with Herbie Hancock. And Patrick's worked with um, tons and tons of musicians in the, the classical field, jazz, pop, rock, He's done it all. He's worked with guys like uh, Sammy Hagar. He's worked with Lenny White, the Jefferson Starship, Patti LaBelle, Terry Riley, the Kronos, the Kronos Quartet, and the list goes on and on and on. So I'm going to get um, Patrick on the phone now while we're listening to his uh, Star Wars piece. and uh, So enjoy, and we'll be back in just a few moments with Patrick. to introduce everybody to Dr. Patrick Gleason. Pat, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Elliot. Good, good. And um, you're staying safe. You're staying out of harm's way, I know, right?
5: Oh, that's, that's the way to survive this. Yeah.
1: What a crazy world we live in, huh? Oh,
5: boy. Um, yeah.
1: Okay, well, if you're not familiar with Patrick Gleason, um, he's actually the gentleman that helped pioneer the um, the whole taking the synthesizer out on the road thing uh, with live acts. That was part of his um, uh, legacy. Also the fact that um, he introduced it to, to the jazz world and he brought the synthesizer to the pop and rock and um, R&B, for, you know, worked with Patti LaBelle, you worked with just about everybody. And why don't you kind yep. of tell us how you fell in love with the uh, synthesizer?
5: Well, I think I think it was headed in that direction anyway. But um, when Wendy Carlos, uh, there's a little echo in, by the way. It's and, gone now. Oh, good. Okay. So anyway, um, when Wendy Carlos came out with Switched on Bach, um, I just I thought it was it's so witty, and you know, so, showed us what the possibilities were of the synthesizer in a way that I hadn't realized until then and um, so with that i got involved with what eventually became the mills college tape center at the time the bucla the bucla box as it was called right. was in up on the second floor of ann Halford's dance studio in visadero street in san francisco and uh, i sort of cheated my way onto that scene i, I was scoring some music for and help helping dancers, I saw the synthesizer. I said, "Can I play that?" Well, uh, we don't know. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. I started fooling around with with the Buchla, and then I I moved over to Mills College when when the Buchla moved over there, and then they gave me one night a week. Well. Wow. And by that time, I was I was fully committed and hooked.
1: And uh, you know, when when the synthesizers were first introduced, they were huge. They were they were you know. They, they were gigantic.
5: Yes, indeed they were. Um, that was one of the things that, that was an issue when I, uh, I I really overdubbed my parts on the first record I played on with Herbie. Uh-huh. And, and I don't think there was an intention on his part or mine that I would become part of the live group. Then the response to the record was... was very good, and uh, Herbie said, Gee, you know, you got to come out on the road and, and play this. Well, at the time, I had recorded the music on a, a mold 3, which right was uh, measured about well, probably seven feet across and uh, <laughs> a foot thick, yeah, and uh, about 30 inches deep. So, putting that on the road in a, in a van carrying. The equipment of six other band members, including Herbie's uh, bows, just wasn't practical. And I, so I really had to th- find a way to uh, downsize. And yeah. fortunately, just about that time, the ARP 2600 came out, which was the perfect instrument.
1: Uh huh. And um, so that I mean, obviously, that made um, touring a lot easier.
5: It certainly did. Yeah, oh, it was still difficult. It was still difficult. And they would
1: um, and, they, we were, and and they were pretty um, they were pretty easy to break in those days too.
5: Well, that happened to us once, fortunately, only once when we were loading in to play um, the Hartford Jazz Society's concert. Uh huh.
1: Um,
5: one of the guys. Dropped the twenty six hundred off of the back of, of the van, Oof. and uh, yeah, and uh, you know it fell about four feet and completely discombobulated. It. it was gone. Wow! So I did that concert with a little pro soloist, which was not to my liking. But Kirby uh-huh. said, "Well, it sounds about the same to me." <laughs> said, okay.
1: okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, the show must go on. Yeah. Yeah. And um, how was it touring with Herbie? He was—he was he, he a—you was um, know—he he must have been an intense guy to work with. His, his music is incredible. Oh, he he,
5: was, he he was a lovely man. He is a lovely man. Yeah. Um, the, the the biggest drawback to touring with Herbie is that as you are making it to the plane, everybody's there at the last minute anyway.
4: Uh-huh. Herbie
5: is always stopped by, you know. Uh, idolizing teenagers wanting to know what the chord changes were. (laughs) You'll know when you get there. And Herbie would stop and talk to them and say, oh my God, we're going to miss the plane. Wow. (laughs) We never did, but boy, we came
1: close. So, um, prior prior to your synth work, um, I'm assuming you were a keyboard player.
5: Well, I grew up playing the piano. Uh, I started taking lessons when I was six and I took lessons until I was 14, and then we came to a point where I definitely, I, I fell in love with jazz uh-huh. in the third grade, and, and uh, my parents were enlightened enough to buy me Mary Lou Williams uh, jazz song books. Okay. But um, then uh, my, I had a hip cousin in Seattle who was um, dating Norm Bobro who was the... the Race music DJ, if you can believe that, a little
4: cute. Yeah.
5: That's the race music station in Seattle. And, yeah. and of course, he knew all the jazz musicians. Well, they arranged for me to meet uh, this man uh, who I, I, I idolized. Oh. And um, my cousin, I had set the whole thing up, and she said, Well, you know, uh, do you ever take students? And the man, he had the general demeanor of Oscar Peterson. He was, Large and avuncular and formal and loquacious, you know, and he turned to me and he said, in a beautiful baritone." He said, "Well, why don't you fall by the pad and we'll see what happens?" Uh-huh. And <laughs> I mean, I thought, "Fall by the pad." By the <laughs> pad. So I, I, I went home and told my mother. She was disturbed. Yeah. You know, they were they were they were the the, the son and, and daughter of uh, Irish immigrants, uh-huh. and their idea was that I would become a doctor. Right. The idea that I was on my way to becoming a jazz musician was not what they had in mind. So well, uh, they said, well, you'll, you'll, we'll, do, well, we'll allow it if you take, continue your classical lessons as well, and if your classical piano teacher approves. Well, of course he wouldn't approve. <laughs> it's 1949. He's not going to approve. So uh, with that, I, just, I got so discouraged, I just quit music. And I didn't play play an instrument again for gosh probably 10
1: years oh really wow yeah well wow, well wow, wow. and um then you came back with a vengeance yes good
5: i finally realized that unless i i did what i really wanted to do with my life i was going to be an alcoholic
1: there you go so, yeah better to do what oh, i want yeah so. or, or, or a serial killer or something like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i know i um i kind of went the same route um i um I went to pre med. I took a, I have a pre med uh, degree, and then I uh, started and I I left. And uh, so yeah, I know how you feel. Mm-hmm. You got to do what you want to do. Um,
5: you got to yeah. Yeah. So
1: so you so you're working with Herbie Hancock, and you're you in that world, and um, that's where Quasar came from.
5: Yeah. Okay. That was the very first piece I ever played on for Herbie.
4: Uh-huh.
5: Uh, I had done some little uh, synth overdubs for David Rubinson, who was the the dominant record producer in San Francisco at that time. Okay. And played on, oh, I remember one album. It was Jane, Joan Baez's sister. I can't remember the name of the album now, but yeah, Buffy, you know, doing a Buffy St. Marie, right? No, no, I can't.
1: Oh, oh anyway, for her, Farina, I, for Mimi Farina.
5: Yeah, that's, yeah. A, I met, I never met her. I met, I uh-huh.
1: met
5: the band and, and, uh, And, of course, David was there. But anyway, i had done little tasks like that for David. And and when I found out he was going to be producing Herbie, I I told him, which was the case, I said, you know, I've been putting on Bitches Blue uh, late at night in in my recording studio after the last session, and then I've been overdubbing synthesizers on it. And I think it sounds great. I said, you know, give me a chance, David, to do something with Herbie. So, what I later found out was, David said, and I think it was a reasonable response, he said to Herbie, Look, at this guy is not even really a musician, you know, he's yeah. a synthesizer guy. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, I'll have you go over to his studio. He's, he really knows the synthesizer, he can patch it for you, and you can play it. Okay. So, <clears throat> the day arrived, Herbie, Herbie came over. I was all set to go, and my engineer was in the in the control room and I have to send out in the studio and Kirby said well let's let's put on Quasar so we put that tune on he said well let's listen for a minute yeah We listen for you know maybe 60 seconds and he said so something right there like something right there so I I I already heard in my in my mind what it was that I was going to be doing and which was I wanted to somehow the sound of, of birds rise, sort of the abstract birds rising and fluttering into the sun. Right. And, um, I mean, it's quasar. So um, I, I'm patching like crazy, and I'm thinking, i got to do this fast. If, you know, to synthesize your patching is not the fastest thing in the world. Right. I said, so if I don't do this fast enough, I mean, the guy's going to get impatient, and I'm going to lose his gig. right.
4: right. So
5: after about you know, maybe 90 seconds of frenzy patching. I said, so uh, what do you think about that? He said, yeah, yeah. Did you record it? Uh I said, well, no, I'm waiting for you to play (laughs) it. He said, you're doing fine. Just go ahead and and record it. So I recorded it. That went on for maybe another 20 minutes, and then Herbie said, "Um, no, he he said, "Um, I got some things I gotta do this afternoon. It looks like you're doing fine. Just keep going. Uh, when you finish that tune, they said, then there's another one there in the control room. You can do that one too. Oh, wow. So I worked all night. I mean, I worked until 2 o'clock the next afternoon when we came back, and by that time, wow. I had finished one half of the album.
1: Yeah, I don't know if a lot of people yeah. realize yeah. How, how intense it was. Um, um,
5: yeah, oh, it was a wonderful experience.
1: Yeah, but how, how those old synthesizers, they were kind of, you had to patch them. You know the chords all over the place. They, you know, and oh yeah, yeah. Um, they weren't like today when you turned a couple of knobs and hit a couple of uh, oscillative knobs and keys. And you know, it, it, it was it was it was a day's work. It
5: w- it was, and, yeah. and 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 thank God because if it had been any different, I never would have had a
1: chance to get into back into music. Oh so. <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Well, why don't we you have have if we play a bit of Quasar? I know you edited down for for us. And uh, do you want to listen to it and we'll um, talk about it? When sure. I, okay, here we go. Quasar. And this was um, Patrick Gleason's first um, actual work that he did with Herbie Hancock. <laughs> And that was Herbie Hancock's Quasar with um, Patrick Gleason. I was talking to um, Patrick behind the scenes while the music was playing about uh, kind of like the state of affairs that we're in now and how, um, um, you know, it's a mess. And how um, he, we were just talking about how he kind of assimilated into that whole jazz world, which was... um, it wasn't really caucasian at the time it was uh, very you know it was you know hispanic and it was black and everything else and he kind of fit in with everybody and um you know back you know people realize that no that it's not that great now but it was worse back then right patrick
5: yeah it it, it was yeah it, it really was we were we were, we when I, when I was out on the road with the guys uh I mean, I, as, I, as I said to you, I had been active in the civil rights movement and had understood, you know, what the problems were in this country. But I didn't realize just how bad it was until I, well, I was out on the road with Herbie and saw what the guys were experiencing. And I was collectively experiencing it with them. I mean, yeah. I remember one time when we tried to get into this hotel, a motel in Cleveland that had been recommended. Herbie had booked it on, uh, by telephone. Yep. When we got there, the guy, we uh, booked a room for each of us. And when and, uh, the guy saw us, he reached up and turned off the light
4: yeah. in the
5: office, yep. as if you know, like I'm closed. So we're wow. still looking at him. And uh, he claimed that you know there was no such reservation and that they were full anyway. Yeah. But that kind of thing, you know, would happen and and name calling and just crazy stuff
1: yeah yeah and and if you think about it it wasn't that long ago i mean you know it was a couple you know decades ago but i mean it's this wasn't civil war times already this was actual modern times that this was happening
5: right and it's still happening my my wife is african-american and, uh-huh. and we experience it every week
1: yeah <laughs> well yeah. yeah well we're um we're Jewish, and um, we I, I, we get it, too. It may not be as... Um...
2: Only Wendy serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot, buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? <laughs> so don't take a chance with those other guys.
6: Bet on a
3: better breakfast with Wendy's Bacon or Sausage Egg and Cheese Biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot, buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded
2: with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage, egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's.
3: At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Yeah.
1: It, it may not be as, um, you know, just out there as it is with a black African-American, uh, um, you know, but it's definitely there and it's definitely, um, yeah. you know, and I think when people find out, you know, the people who aren't um, prone to liking Jewish people or, or, or black or whatever, when they find out you're Jewish it's kind of like you got one over on them you know They boy if I knew you were <laughs> Jewish if I knew you were Jewish I never would have said hi to you that kind of thing you know it's oh, like yeah. you know it, so it, wonderful. Yeah, it, it's it's a mess out there and um I don't know I hope it gets better I don't see it getting better but you know you know at least well, na- at least now we're hope. yeah at least now we're fighting you know it's like people are getting together yeah. and, and they're putting up a, up a big deal that it is so maybe maybe I'm wrong maybe it will get better um but yeah, you were telling us that um, you know the Herbie Hancock thing kind of helped get you on the um, recording map, on, on, on the touring map. You you were, you were a uh, full fledged musician now, right? Yes. Oh, so, yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I've been a musician for well since nineteen nineteen sixty nine. Yeah, um,
1: but, but I mean, this Herbie Hancock was your first professional um, touring
5: thing. Well, that was my 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 first touring gig. Yeah. yeah. And I haven't toured all that much. Um, I, I, in a way, <laughs> Herbie's band ruined it for me. I mean, yeah. uh, on several counts. First of all, it was a brilliant collection of guys. Regardless of the music, I mean, the conversations were were witty and and funny and deep and clever, and and of course, the music was incredible. Yes. and I remember. Uh, with Pablo, I done some music for uh, some overdubbing for uh, Pablo Cruz on an album that then subsequently did very well, uh-huh. and they asked me to join the group. And they were nice guys, but you know yeah. they were first of all they were ten years younger than the guys in Herbie's band, so I'm I'm going to be spending time out in the road with guys. They're going, oh yeah, man, that's really great. Yeah. I'm thinking, oh no, this is this is going to be. This is <laughs> going to be not good. And of course, it was a rock band, so he played yeah. the same thing every night. And I thought, no, no, I, I can't do that. Oh. So I haven't, I haven't, I haven't toured a lot. Most of my career has been actually uh, spent as a composer or an arranger, um, you know, for film and television, and yes. of course, uh, and as a producer for R and B and and uh, jazz records.
1: That's right. And, but I
5: now, now I'm now I'm playing live again yeah at the end of my career yeah and i love it i, I played um uh, what turned out to be the last mode festival
4: oh yeah that's uh, last right. year
5: uh-huh. yeah, yeah and uh and i just i mean the, the the audience i must say really really liked the music um i, I won't say more because to say more would <laughs> be to brag but they did it they liked it
1: well it's great and,
5: uh, i'm yeah i'm hoping to do more and I'm also working on a trio project with Michael Shreve, He you may have told you, and yes. also with Sam Morrison. Yep. And I'm hopeful that when the whole coronavirus thing is over that we'll be able to do some jazz
1: festivals. Yeah. Um, I, I, I told you that I um, I was in contact with Sam yesterday. He's interested in uh, coming aboard and doing a spot with us on the radio, and Michael has been on with us. And um, Yep yeah so he was telling you know I was talking to Michael he told me uh he's Michael's the guy who told me you got to get to talk to um you know make sure you talk to the doctor because he's the guy who um you know who started all of this and you're you're um you know he said that this trio thing that you're doing is incredible stuff and it's I heard part of it it sounds new it sounds fresh it's you know and and um you know, it's it's really good. You know, you've kept your hand in you know, you you kept stirring the pot this whole time and some great things are coming out of it and I'm really looking forward to hearing your new music. And Michael's an incredible musician, he's an incredible drummer. Oh yeah. And Sam is oh, yeah. Sam is great. Sam um worked with Miles Davis, right? Yes he did.
5: Yep. Yes he did. Yeah, Sam Sam is uh he's a phenomenon. Yeah. You know, he's he's a guy that just um understands what's going on in the music instantly and intuitively and is, and is there with it. Yeah. 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 And then Michael Michael, you know, what can you say about Michael? I mean my goodness. I'm I I'm hoping that that in these tunes that we're preparing for this trio album uh-huh. that Michael will have a chance to I mean, everybody knows that he's a great rock and R and b and jazz drummer. Yeah, specifically rock, but also of course, R&D and jazz. But, uh, I don't think people understand the full scope of what he's capable of. And I want to try to, I'm going to actually push Michael a little bit, uh, to get out there at certain points in our trio album and, well, and take the spotlight. He's, he's a guy who, uh, doesn't exactly resist that. You know, he's done some yeah. wonderful drum solos in his time, but, uh, I want him to do
1: some stuff that's a little bit different. I um we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, I, we'll see. I always just um, to talk to Michael. I mean, obviously you have a different relationship than I do. You guys are more on an equal balance. I was, you know, uh, you know, I'm me. Oh well. But I used to tell Michael if people knew about your electronic work, that you know that they yeah. don't, they don't know. You know, I mean, um, one of my right. one of my uh, Desert Island Music discs is a um, uh, Transfer Station Blue. I think that's a brilliant yes, album. Uh, that's an incredible yeah. disc, and um, yeah. and I don't know why. Uh, you know, it, I had uh, I used to tell him that you know you you know people know you from Santana, but your best work happened after that, and somebody has to let people know.
5: Yeah, well, if, if any musician stays with it, you know, yeah, it's one of the the, the paradoxes of of the music business is uh-huh.
4: that
5: you probably reach your peak. Uh, musically years after you reach your peak with your audience.
4: Right. <laughs> so yep, yep. That's just the way
5: it is. Yeah.
1: yeah. And uh, I spoke to a uh, Lenny White yesterday. Um he's gonna be on two with us. And uh he, he has a um drum hook up with Michael and um some other of the great San Francisco uh, percussion drummer guys. Uh I think he said yep. two or three times a week. Michael's telling me about that. They're actually uh filming it and um Oh
5: they are.
1: Yeah, I, I believe they that. are, yeah. And um, wow! Did did he tell you who's who's involved in that?
5: Oh yeah, yeah. In fact, the the guys all said hello to me. Yeah,
4: like for arranged for that. Okay, cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Yeah, he told you know he spoke about it on the show. There's um, you know Sly Stones, um, uh, um, you know uh, uh, Tower of Power, um, you know Michael and um, Lenny. It's um great, great, great set.
5: Amazing group of musicians. Yes.
1: Yeah. And,
5: yeah, yeah, and Mike Mike Clark, of course, was her. Yep, Mike so. Clark.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Mike Clark too. So um let's do let's talk about you. Let's go back to uh you. Bank Float with Frog. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that.
5: Well there was an album I did with um Benny moffin and and uh when I listen to it now I just I just love Benny's playing. Interestingly enough the way we did that, uh, I had prepared all the tracks, you know, using my synthesizer, it, minus, of course, Benny. So the, the tracks were quote finished when he walked into the studio.
0: <clears throat> and I
5: said, "Well, you know, let's let's listen to this a little bit and then see what you want to do." He said, "Well, no, no, just just start the start the machine." I said, "What?" He said, "No, let's just record it." Uh-huh. So I okay. I mean, I knew Benny. I didn't worked with him of course and uh, so it was plausible that he could come up with something having never heard the music before well it turned out that the whole album was kind of a combination of the first and second takes with an occasional little splice in from a third take but it was almost all improvised in real time Mm -hmm. and then then what I did after after that happened is I went back in and and Eliminated a a lot of my tracks um, to leave room for more room for Benny, and then I also added some things that supported Benny, um, so that you know it it felt more like a live performance.
1: Okay, so how about if we play that now, and um, we'll we'll finish talking about it when it's over, okay? Sure. Here we go. Bank float with frog. Bank with Frog. Patrick, anything else you want to um, bring up about that one?
5: Well, just that the, the, the reason it's Bank with Frog is that I just added uh, that intro, the kind of um, a swing uh, plucked bass, except it was plucked cello, uh, from the soundtrack that I did with Kronos Quartet years ago. And uh, that was my ex-wife playing the, the cello, marvelous cellist, uh, yes. Joan Javinello. And I just I thought it was such a, a cute track. I just thought, well, I'll put a little bit of this into into uh, bank So I that's a segue.
1: Yeah, it's great. Great it's overlap, actually. Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of the stuff during the week. Some this stuff is um quite quite amazing. So where do we want to go from here? I'm going to let you lead us through.
5: Well, let's I'll tell you. Um, let's. Let's make sure we get an unacceptable dance styles in, which is from the live performance at Modefest. Okay. And then, and then slide, which is the eighth tune. Okay. Well, and let's... I'll talk about slide when we get there. It's, yeah. It, it, it kind of, it's kind of a special meaning for me.
1: Okay. Let's do the um. Let's do unacceptable dance styles. Let's talk about that, and we'll take it from there. Okay. Great. So, um, where do we want to start? I'm, I'm I'm giving you the mic.
5: Oh. Okay. Well. Um, uh, about four years ago, I, I decided that, um, well, actually about, about seven years ago, I decided really that I had done what I needed to do and probably more than enough musically in the terms of, of, uh, Hollywood soundtracks and, and television programs. And so I began to try to develop an, a little, little bit different kind of music than I had heard before, uh, I, I don't know that I've been entirely successful in making it ent- entirely new. Although I like the new stuff a lot, but in any case, I wanted to try to, to develop a means of performing live with a laptop that wasn't like a DJ set, you know, where you where you actually were playing the music so i got some smarties from san francisco to develop some software for me that allowed me to kind of overdub and and loop in real time so uh what you're going to hear is actually a solo performance um and i uh, did this at, at what turned out to be the last smoke fest unfortunately
1: and this one is i wasn't
5: responsible for, for
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know um yeah they 're going to blame it on you anyway, so here it is yeah unacceptable dance styles, and this is an edit on the piece. <laughs> Okay, sure. Okay. Unacceptable Dance Styles. And um, that was from Fest And uh, it was from last year's fest, which I guess was the last one. And um, I have Patrick Gleason here with us today. And um, Patrick, you work with some of the biggest um, R&B people out there. And uh, you, you did tracks for them. You did um, a synth work for them. Uh, Patty LaBelle one of them, correct?
6: Yep.
1: And um, that must have been... Uh, that must have been different from from what you were doing.
5: Well, Patty was was first of all, she's just a wonderful person. The the two persons who were the um, the favorites of, of all the staff were was Patty LaBelle and um, what was the name of the other woman? Uh, I can't think of her name now. But anyway. Um, when I, I I was back in New York on a recording date, and when I came back, um, the, the first thing that everybody told me was, "Oh, how great you know Patty is," and so forth. And so then I got involved with Patty and, uh, and worked with her for a bit, and uh, she was just you know such a beautiful person, just uh, unaffected uh thoughtful of others, kind, considerate,
1: talented, uh,
5: just a real winner
1: yeah and um so i mean you've you've been you've been um involved in all aspects, which is incredible because um you know your your solo synthesizer work is really, really modern. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of technical and everything else. But so you were able to put that feel into everything you worked in from jazz to R&B. Um, you wanted to talk about the slide.
5: Uh, yeah. Slide was a little bit different direction for me. Uh, early in my career, I worked with uh, Steve Reich,
4: uh-huh. the
5: uh, yep. American, American minimalist guy. I didn't do it. I mean, just a, a couple of gigs with him. And uh, uh, what I did was of no importance whatsoever. But what it exposed me to was Steve's
2: aesthetic. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot, buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery?
6: Wendy's breakfast.
2: So don't take a chance with those
3: other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours.
5: And the, and and then Terry Riley, as it turned out, was a friend of mine from San Francisco, and so when his piece In C came out, that was the other big revelation. I mean, Steve Reich's early work and In C, uh, and some of Phil Glass's work too, um, was a, a very different aesthetic than anything we'd experienced before in Western music. It was really quite revolutionary, and it it captivated me and. So, at, Slide was an attempt to take my jazz background and and try to to make my own form of of minimalism. And the, the way I I decided I would do it would be I would compose uh, a series of loops of different lengths, and then I would spin these loops into the music. Um, they're long loops, let's say, you know. 27 notes 33 notes something like that so what happens is the the, the, the the loops slide past one another hence the name of the album and and create patterns that are almost repetitive but they're always changing okay and so once I'd finished that which it was quite a while back um, I think probably in the early 90s I had I had done that piece and then I had gotten in the habit of coming into the studio and improvising over it, and it was just such fun to improvise over. And finally, I thought, you know, I should let p- other people in on the fun. Let's make this quartet. So I asked my wife, Joan, John Renault, and uh, and two friends of mine who I had uh, done different projects with in the past, Mark Russo, but particularly Peter Mano, I've done some quite a bit of work with, mm-hmm. and. Um, so we all piled into the studio, and what you're hearing is, uh, is a live take. So it's uh, the four of us improvising over these looped tracks.
1: Okay, and uh, this one is slide. <laughs> Pieces for towards the end. So we're going to fit one more in between. And um, you want to do um, Nude Orbit?
5: Uh, I, I, t- I tell you what, let's do uh, Take That Time from Jazz Criminal.
1: Okay. One before,
5: because we, we, we've heard one with Benny, and, and this you haven't heard this quartet.
1: Okay. It's Jim
5: sure. Lang, Benny Maughlin, and Wallace Rodney.
1: Okay. Yeah. And what else do you want to talk about on this one?
5: Well, uh, it's quite a bit to talk about, yeah, um, yeah, so um, do you want to talk about it now or do you want to just yeah come? let's
1: yeah yeah, let's talk about it in, um as an intro
5: okay, well uh, um, t- jazz criminal was kind of my a oh, little bit snarky response to uh, <laughs> thirty or forty years of being sort of attacked by the jazz police
4: uhhuh
5: um. And by that I mean they just don't recognize that what I'm doing has a particular legitimacy. Right. Uh, for example, the guy that did the, the Encyclopedia of Jazz had a, a a nice piece about every guy in, in Herbie's band but me. The only mention he made of me was that he said that they that Moffin played beautifully on Patrick Gleason's eccentric album, Driving so, so i'm eccentric you know yeah so so i i i at a certain point i thought okay screw that uh-huh. uh i'm gonna i if you if you think um you haven't liked what you've heard so far wait till you hear this yeah. so this this album I, which I, I co-wrote and co-produced with jim lang
4: oh, wow. um, okay
5: yeah the, the, the uh, uh television and film yeah. composer um who also was a rock and roll guy on the road with some big acts early on in his life. But anyway, so, so we, we did this and uh, the, 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 we tried to incorporate very strange elements right into the music, which you'll hear.
1: Okay, and here we go. Take that time. <laughs> Take that time, Patrick. Um, do you want to add anything to that?
5: Well, just that um, while it was an album that Jim Lang and I uh, co-composed and produced together, uh, you know, we're so indebted, of course, to the two soloists, Benny Moffin and Wallace Roney. Yeah, both amazing musicians. Benny, I've spoken about before. Wallace Roney was. The man that Miles Davis said was his heir apparent in fact he said so from the stage of the Montreal Jazz Festival called uh, Wallace up and handed him his trumpet you know it's like passing the, the scepter um, amazingly fluent musician and unfortunately uh, deceased uh, two months ago of coronavirus what a shame yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And um, well, and yeah, that, that a lot of a lot of great, great talented people um got hit with that virus, and you know we lost we lost a lot of talent to that virus, and um oh yeah, it you know
5: and we will lose more. Yeah, we I know. Will lose more. Isn't it? I know, yeah. and
1: I don't think the worst is over. I think we're just about uh, going to be entering the, uh, the the darkest part of it real soon. Yeah yeah um, I know they're trying to get kids back to school, and um there's a oh, big, that's such a bad idea, yeah, I think so too. I don't know if um uh, everybody knows that, but I'm raising my grandkids. I have two young kids living with me, and um there's no way I'm sending them to school yeah yeah it's uh, yeah. it's a mess out there well
5: and, and and think about the teachers you know yeah, the teachers are are surrounded by you know thirty uh potential disease carriers who are children and are not going to be able to always cover their faces when they should or maintain distance. I mean, it's, that's, that's like sending uh, a soldier on a suicide mission. Oh, it is,
1: because it's not only 30 kids. I mean, a lot of these teachers see five different classes, you know, if, if it's like a high school or yeah. junior high school. And, you know, yeah. you, you have 30 kids every hour, you know, and right. 30 know. different kids, so you, you, you're, yeah. it's like playing Russian roulette.
4: Yes,
1: and no, it's exactly not, right. Yeah, it's t- you know you just have to you have to just lay low and uh, do what you have to do and stay in and um, you know uh, Americans seem to be a little um, more selfish than other countries. They think that um, they're they're above.
5: Well, we've we yeah. had a worse leader. Yeah, we have had a leader who lead, led us astray for yes. political gain. You yeah.
1: know, so well, not just political gains for his, his own gains, and um, mm-hmm. you know it's 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 a horror show out there. And, uh, you know, yep. I'm, in, I'm in New Mexico and, he, and the troops are coming here this week. He's sending the federal troops here to make sure that, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't know. Crime's no worse here than it was, you know, last year or the year before that. But somehow he got a bug up his butt that it's worse now. So um, I think he's well, sent,
5: he, he knows that it's going to be good copy. Yeah. Yeah. So plus, plus I
1: think he's setting it up for the, the elections only, you know, this Sunday, I think, is 100 days out. Yep. So he'll, wow. keep, he'll keep the troops here and they'll stand in front of the voting booth. And, uh, oh, you know, that's, that's my, I don't know. That's my take on it, but my, yeah. maybe we're wrong, but let's get back to better things. Um, PSK. Yeah.
5: Um, that's, um, started out as a, a, a Miles Davis piece, Spanish key. And, uh, which I, I performed, uh, live at, at the Moat festival. Yeah. And, um, And then when I got back, I wanted to to continue working with the piece for the Trio album. Mm -hmm. So what I I discovered at a certain point was that it had really kind of taken leave of its Miles Davis sources. And so now it's called uh, Post uh, Spanish Key, which is awkward, so I just call it PSK. I have to think of a better name for it sooner or later. But anyway, it's you know it's, it's jazz and electronic dance music and minimalism, all three kind of combined in one, which is a direction I wanted to go in for a long time.
1: And that's what I was saying in the beginning of the show. You have kept that pot stirred, and, and um, you've kept everything sounding fresh and modern, and you add all the new elements to what you're doing, which is incredible. Didn't you also do some Miles pieces with uh, Michael?
5: I did. I did. We we played we played in Seattle. Played uh-huh. live, and, and that and then we're as I say we're finishing up this album very slowly because we have to work in three different studios in three different states. Right. But um, my, my I've sent the first piece to Michael for his drums work, and then we'll send it on to Sam, and then I'll get get it back and do the same kind of thing I did with Benny Malkin's music, which is all subtract uh-huh. as much of mine as need be to clarify what the, the guys are doing.
1: Yeah, uh, you did some live, but what did you do, pitcher's Brew too, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's been intense. I'd loved to have been at that set. Okay, so here we go. PSK.
2: Breakfast with a Better Biscuit, our Hot Buttery Breakfast Biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's Biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's
6: Breakfast Biscuits, hot and buttery.
2: So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a Better Breakfast with Wendy's Bacon or Sausage
3: Egg and Cheese Biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours, serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit.
2: Our hot, buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery?
6: Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So
2: don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage
3: egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely.
2: Choose Wendy's.
3: At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Thank you.
1: PSK, and um, we're getting close to the end of the show today, and I'd like to uh, thank Patrick for um, spending the morning with us, and I'd like to invite you back anytime you want to come back, Patrick. I mean, I I, I enjoyed the um, time we spent together. I love your music. I love the stories, and um, we have one, it's another new piece that we're going to go out to. It's called It's About Time, and I'll let you talk about it
5: okay well this is a, a, a originally a Miles Davis tune um, and my idea in in recomposing these pieces was to as I said earlier to incorporate you know jazz obviously um, but also some elements of electronic dance music which I, I like very much the best stuff I think is is very it, it's often sort of frowned down upon by, I suppose, the same people that frowned down on my music, but um, yeah, some of it's quite good, and I, I tried to incorporate some of those elements, and also American minimalism, the, the music that came from originally from Terry and, and uh, Steve, and to make something new out of all of these, so I, I think Anybody that's grouchy can say, well, this isn't really jazz, or they can say, this isn't really minimalism, or they can also say, this isn't really electronic dance music, Where, where's the beat? So, they're right, of course, it's not any of those three things. It's hopefully something that I'm working to get to, and, and um, I'm closer than I've ever been. We're gonna do, this is a, 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 a solo version of this, is actually the version that I played at Moanfest live but we're also going to do a trio version of this um, with um, Michael Shreve and Sam Morrison and then also I'm going to do a quad version of this with um, Cameron V as the producer Cameron V is the brilliant guy who did a great uh, quadraphonic release of um Suzanne Chowney's last album. Um, And he's when I say brilliant, I mean this is a guy who's made his own hardware so that you can play a quad album, believe it or not, on a stereo turntable. With his decoding equipment, it will decode in quad. Quite an accomplishment, yeah. But anyway, so let's listen to what's well, about bef- time. Bef-
1: before we do that, since you're going to be leaving us, can you just tell the audience yeah. about Sam Morrison? He's a name that um, jazz enthusiasts really know, but I don't know if the newer audience um, is that familiar with him. And um,
5: Sam is a, is a lovely guy. He, uh, <laughs> he 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 was a guy who, when he joined Miles Davis, Miles remarked that is typically a serviceway that, that white boy can really play. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that—that's Sam. Uh, he remains white, and he's no longer a boy, but he can really play.
4: Okay. Um,
5: yeah, we had a great time together, uh, Sam and me, and, and Michael Shreve playing live in Seattle. So,
1: and he goes back to um, Miles Davis.
5: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he was he was he was the he had the the the. Reed slot in Miles Davis band in the eighties.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think the quote was that um, Miles um, hadn't heard a sax play like him since Coltrane or something like that. He was, you know, um, Miles really put him up on high esteem.
4: He's
5: he's marvelously fluent. Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay, well, back to you. It's about time. And again, I want to thank you for spending the morning with us. And um, you'll be back soon. I'm going to get you scheduled asap. Okay because we have a lot more stuff to go to and we have some stories and let me get this started and um it's about time patrick gleason and that it's about time well, patrick i'd like to thank you for spending the morning with us and um i, I hope to get you back on uh, the show real real soon i appreciate everything you've done for us uh this morning and um your music's incredible your new stuff <clears throat> excuse me is is um perfect for the times and um I just want to send out a really, really big thank you. Stay safe out there. And um, let me tell you the rest of our schedule. I'll be back tonight. Um, uh, No guest tonight. Mr. Arno Hecht from the Uptown Horns um, uh, uh, isn't able to uh, spend the night with us tonight. But... Crispin CEO will be here Sunday, so I'll be on tonight, we'll um, kick it around, maybe get some phone calls in, I don't know what we're going to be doing yet, tomorrow morning at noontime Eastern, 10 o'clock Mountain, I'll be uh, doing the New Mexican show, Uh, again Sunday night Crispin, and uh, Monday night um, there's something going on and we'll talk about it later, I'm just getting some confirmations, but it's a big week. Also, I'd like to let everybody know out there that I'll be um, switching over to uh, just two or three days a week shortly and we'll be doing more recorded stuff for um podcasts and things like that and um, i hope you'll stick with us and um you know not your mother's radio and not your mother's podcast it'll be fun i promise and uh, that's about it for today i'll see everybody tonight and um If anybody has ideas for a show tonight, give me a call. If anybody wants to phone in, if anybody wants to spend the night um, online with us, I'd love it. If not, uh, we'll make it happen tonight as well. So enjoy. Hope you had a good time and um, hope you enjoyed Patrick Gleason. (laughs)
2: a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot, buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast
6: biscuits hot and buttery.
2: So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's
3: bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours, Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot, buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg,
2: cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast
6: biscuits, hot and buttery.
2: So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's.
3: At participating
0: U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Fly on the Wall. There are more great interviews to follow so please list us as one of your favorites and be sure to follow. We are listener funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. Please remember to share our info. Thanking you all.